Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. On today's show, we're going to be talking about market segmentation. But first, if you've been listening to this show for a while, you know that I've been involved in a wide array of projects ranging from residential subdivisions to senior assisted living to new apartment construction, mobile home and RV parks, boat and RV storage, new condominium developments, just to name a few. Over the next several months, we'll be raising capital for some of these new projects. If you or someone you know might be interested in learning more about these projects, send an email to info at victorjm.com. That's info at victorjm.com, and we'll add you to the mailing list. The first webinar for one of these projects is coming up on January the 12th at 8 p.m. Central, 6 Pacific, 7 Mountain, and 9 Eastern. We'll be talking about a new apartment development project in that Zoom meeting. You'll have lots of opportunity to meet with me and the sponsors of the project and ask lots of questions. This invitation is not a solicitation for investment. Any future investment opportunity that arises would be by prospectus only and is restricted to accredited investors only. The definition of accredited investor can be found in the Securities and Exchange Commission website. Again, if you'd like to learn more, send an email to info at victorjm.com. On today's show, we're talking about the importance of market segmentation. Because real estate is not easily moved, the supply and demand picture is hyper-local. That means each real estate product has a radius where the demand is real. And outside that radius, the demand can fall off significantly. In real estate, we tend to segment the market according to asset class. We look at demand for residential, for apartments, for office space, and for retail, and so on. But that's far too simplistic an approach. The analysts tend to quote the market vacancy rate, but frankly, that's a useless metric. For example, there's a conventional rule of thumb that customers of a storage facility will only be willing to drive 5 or 10 minutes to get to their belongings. Well, that too is an oversimplification. You need to segment the market even further. If we're talking about storage, are we looking for small self-storage lockers, maybe only 15 square feet, to store the handful of items that don't fit in an apartment? Or are we talking about a large place to store a decade of legal files or medical records? Still, others are looking for a place to store their camping trailer. These are vastly different clients and vastly different products. When we look at office space, you might find a million square feet available in the local market, but again... How is that space segmented? Who's the target customer? Is the space one large open floor plate of 50,000 square feet? Or has it been carved up into small offices of two to 500 square feet? Clearly, these products are aimed at different clients. Does the building have specialized plumbing, electrical, and air handling to support medical offices or dental clinics? Each product is designed for a specific customer. Making decisions based on generalities will always obscure the truth. You see, markets don't buy your product. Customers buy your product. Statistics don't buy your product. Only customers buy your product. So when you segment the market, your objective is to move away from the general to the specific. Generalizations, as a manner of speech, they're very common, but they're incorrect. We know this to be true, yet somehow we see people speak in generalities all the time. We see generalizations in the media, and generalizations are always subject to exceptions that don't follow the narrative of the generalization. Generalizations create flawed thinking because they speak to correlation and not causality. See, vacancy in a market of 5% is a generalization. How does that break down when you compare new construction versus older properties? How does the vacancy compare in one-bedroom apartments versus three-bedroom apartments? How is the vacancy in studio apartments? What is the vacancy in short-term rentals? See, the generalization provides zero insight to the specific questions that you are interested in answering. You might be contemplating buying a building that's heavily weighted in two-bedroom apartments. 
what is the exact supply-demand picture for two-bedroom apartments within your specific submarket? Vacancy in one-bedroom apartments is not insightful. Don't just draw a radius around the specific property. You might be crossing neighborhood boundaries, crossing into another school district, or perhaps even a municipal boundary. Real estate is hyper-local. Is there a shortage of three-bedroom apartments or townhouses? I'm going to give you a couple of very specific examples to illustrate the point further. In the world of senior housing, we see significant vacancy in assisted living in several major markets around the country, including Dallas, Texas. Against that backdrop of market vacancy, you might conclude there's no point bringing an additional offering into the market. But what about memory care? What about Parkinson's care? What about specialized assistance for those with diabetes? What about a kosher house where the food in the kitchen is 100% kosher? What about a vegetarian house? See, going into a senior assisted living facility where they serve hot dogs and meatloaf is not going to work if you've been vegetarian or vegan for the past 30 years. My partners in the assisted living business own a medium-sized portfolio in Dallas of residential assisted living care homes. The vacancy experienced in that portfolio is far less than the market average. And why is that? Because the product offer is different than the average big box facility that's aimed at the masses. It's only by segmenting the market and truly understanding the needs of the market at a much more granular level that you can actually win. Second example, we owned a student housing portfolio in Philadelphia next to Temple University. Today, we've largely sold off that portfolio, but when we were just getting started about three years into that business, we came to the realization that the market was saturated in three-bedroom, four-bedroom, and five-bedroom student housing. There was, however, an acute shortage of one- and two-bedroom units. So what do we do? We shifted the focus 100% to only building one- and two-bedroom units. That's what we're talking about when we talk about market segmentation. As you think about that, have an awesome rest of your day. Go make some great things happen. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.